BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. You've probably heard about the effort to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. It's actually not the first time someone's tried to do it, but this attempt has gotten way bigger than anyone thought it would. This did not begin as a purely Republican recall. Uh, I don't think, you know, if you had said six months ago that this thing would actually qualify for the ballot, uh, I don't think they would have believed it. The deadline to collect signatures is Wednesday, and campaign organizers think they'll have enough to trigger a recall election. Today, the campaign to recall Governor Newsom, and what it says about this moment in California politics. I'm Alan Montecilio. Welcome to the Bay. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Recall organizers this week said that they have... 2 million signatures. That's important because, A, the deadline for collecting signatures is March 17th, which is coming up, and also because they need 1.5 million or so valid signatures to get it on the ballot. Scott Schaefer is the senior editor of KQED's Politics and Government Desk and the co-host of the Political Breakdown podcast. 
They got a real big break uh, back in November because uh, the deadline was going to be in November, November 17th, but uh, they went to a judge up in Sacramento and said, hey, because of this pandemic, it's really hard to collect signatures in person. Won't you give us some more time? And the judge gave them another 120 days. They have made good use of the time that they've had the last few months to collect signatures, and it looks very well like we might have a recall election sometime later this year, probably in October or November. There are always efforts to recall the governor in California, no matter who the governor is. And there have been, you know, five or six attempts previous to this one to recall Gavin Newsom. And they just peter out, partly because they're expensive. You have to have a fair amount of money, and I'm talking like millions of dollars, to put the people out on the streets, the volunteers or the paid signature gatherers, in order to get that many signatures. I mean, it's relatively easy in California to put a recall on the ballot, but you still, in this case, you need one point five million signatures. And those don't just fall off trees. You've got to go out and collect them. As you just mentioned, you know, this is not the first time someone has attempted to gather signatures to recall Governor Newsom or any other governor. Can you describe just how this one is different? What's different is the pandemic. And it's a pandemic that everybody understands everyone's been affected by. You start off with sort of the low-hanging fruit, which is Republicans who didn't vote for Newsom to begin with. So they're probably more predisposed to say, sure, let's get rid of him and replace him with a Republican. You know, Republicans in some of the more rural counties in California who don't like masks. Uh, But then you've got small business people who have been, you know, very deeply hurt uh, economically. They've lost their businesses. They've been forced to shut down uh, restaurants and bars and nail salons and hair salons and gyms. You've got parents whose kids are at home on Zoom, and they have to choose between staying home with their kids or hold keeping their jobs. And so for all kinds of reasons, people who, you know, wouldn't particularly be interested in a recall or wouldn't sign a petition uh, or, you know, maybe who are even Democrats or moderates. You've got people like that who are just, you know, really uh, open to the idea of sort of punishing the governor because they feel punished by this pandemic and some of his policies. What have you heard from people who've decided to sign on to this? So with the deadline for signature gathering coming up, I wanted to take a look at, you know, the campaign and who's involved and how voters are feeling. You know, with the pandemic, Alan, we've been largely at home and I haven't been out talking to voters the way we would in ordinary times. But I wanted to, you know, see how people in the Bay Area, but a little further afield, are feeling. And so I went up to Vacaville last weekend, Saturday, and there were several uh, recall Newsom rallies. And I went to one that was in front of City Hall in downtown Vacaville. There were about, you know, 25 volunteers there. Some of them were, you know, wearing shirts that looked like the American flag. And one of the people I talked to was signing uh, a recall petition. And so I just went up to him and asked him why. Uh, his name was uh, David Verza, uh, 32 years old. He's a Republican. I live in Fairfield, the next town over. Okay. And tell me what you're doing. But he, he just felt that he and his family were very personally being hurt by the pandemic and by the governor's policies. And me personally, you know, and the people in my friend group, family group, um, we're having a hard time here and it just feels like Newsom isn't helping us out at all. It feels like he doesn't care, you know, when we see him. One of the things he mentioned was this 
dinner that Newsom had at French Laundry, which is a very fancy, swanky, incredibly expensive restaurant in Yountville, which is in Napa Valley. Newsom was there, spotted in November, not wearing a mask. Uh, he was having dinner with some lobbyists and some friends. And this was right at the time that he's telling restaurants to close or people to socially distance and not to gather with different households. And so, you know, David Verza was saying, well, <laughs> it's okay for him to do that, but it's not okay for us. And it, it just, for a lot of people, it just was a tipping point. You know, when we see him eating in restaurants and doing stuff like that, it, it really uh, shows where his loyalties lie, you know? The hypocrisy and the elitism uh, just kind of shot off the charts. And it just really accelerated this recall campaign, and it really motivated a lot of people like David Verza to sign the petition. Scott, at this point, you know, the campaign says they have at least two million signatures. Um, but then there's also just the role of the bigger institutions like local Republican organizations and the state Republican Party. So what role have they played in this attempt to recall Governor Newsom? Well, this did not begin as a purely Republican recall. We saw that there was a movement there and we joined on to it because it's the right thing to do for Californians. You know, as it picked up steam, the state Republican Party, and I talked to Jessica Milan-Patterson, the chair, she realized, like, whoa, this thing is really serious. You know, they don't want to just hitch their wagon to any and every recall effort because they know most of them fail. But when she saw that this thing was actually taking off, uh, the Republican Party wanted to be part of it. I think that's certainly a, a great thing for the party. It's something that we can rally around. It's also something that we can talk to California voters about. It's an organizing tool. It gives them a reason in an off year when there wasn't supposed to be an election to attract volunteers, to keep volunteers busy, to register new voters, irrespective of the recall, because there are some congressional seats that are going to be up in 2022 that in purple districts. And this campaign uh, to recall Newsom is giving them an opportunity to put some of the infrastructure in place that will help them reelect some of these freshman Republicans who picked up seats from Democrats in 2020. We have a huge opportunity, depending on how redistricting goes, to be a major player in taking back the House. Building the infrastructure and having that in place before we get into 2022, I think it's going to be critical to wins. It, it sort of strikes me that we're talking about the period of November to today when the, the number of signatures really started to pick up. Um, and in that time, there was also you know the defeat of former President Trump and attempted insurrection at the Capitol. And I wonder if you're a Republican, whether you were all in on that or not, or whether you maybe sort of distance yourself from it a little bit, there's value in just unifying around the attempt to recall Newsom specifically as like a, a, a way to move forward in a way, in a sense. Absolutely. I mean, Donald Trump and, and his brand of Republicanism uh, are very unpopular in California. I mean, Joe Biden kicked Trump's butt. He won by more than 5 million votes in November. So to the extent that the recall or the Republican Party in California are identified with Donald Trump, that, that is not good for them. Uh, and so the recall gives them something else to organize around. And in fact, Gavin Newsom and the people that are trying to support him are going to tie the recall to Donald Trump. And to the extent that they're successful in doing that, the more they can tie the recall to Donald Trump, the less likely it is to be successful. I, 
I want to transition now to what would actually happen if, if, if there are enough verified signatures and a recall election is actually triggered in October or November. What would it take for that election to actually result in Governor Newsom getting kicked out of office? So if there's a special election for a recall, the ballot will have two questions. The first question is, should Gavin Newsom be recalled from office? And that's just a simple yes or no. And then there's a question two. If Newsom is recalled, who would you like to be the next governor? It's whoever the top vote getter is will be the governor if, in fact, a majority vote to recall Newsom. So you could become governor with 25, 30 percent of the vote. That's very doable for a Republican if the Republican vote isn't all divided up and split up. So this is, you know, perhaps the best shot they have at winning a statewide office. But unless 50% plus one vote to recall Newsom, the second part of that ballot is irrelevant. Um, and, and so that's really what Newsom is betting on, is that, that less than half of voters will actually want to see him recalled from office. Newsom really wants to make sure that no credible Democrat is on that second part of the ballot. That he doesn't want to give a credible alternative to Democrats. You know, so right now, he's really focused on keeping the party united against the recall. Are there already candidates um, who've declared that they're running? Yeah, there are two, uh, at least two people who have said they're running. One of them uh, is former Republican San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner. Um, and he's a, he's a moderate, I would say a moderate Republican, although he did vote for Donald Trump in 2020, that could become a problem for him later on. And John Cox, who is also from San Diego, a businessman who has run several times unsuccessfully for office here in California and Illinois. Um, he was defeated by Gavin Newsom four years ago by you know a, a crushing uh, number of votes. So he's running again. And so there's going to be you know some competition among the Republicans, and you're already seeing some of that division play out. Uh, John Cox, for example, has released an ad calling Kevin Faulkner um, Gavin Faulkner, saying he's just like Gavin Newsom, a career politician, and blah, blah, oh, blah. Boy. So, you know, they're, they're already off to the races. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think the, for Repub just as Democrats want to keep a prominent Democrat off, the on that, off that second part of the ballot, Republicans are going to try to force out whoever it is they think can't win. I don't want to necessarily predict what will happen, but do we have any sense right now about whether enough voters really have the appetite for this recall and if they and if they actually they actually want to recall Governor Newsom? There's been one statewide sort of credible poll about this, and that was the Berkeley IGS poll a few weeks ago, and it showed a couple things: one, that Newsom's approval rating had fallen, but only 36% of voters said they would vote for the recall, and the other thing is. A lot of the dissatisfaction with Newsom has been around the pandemic. Some of that is his fault. Some of it isn't. But as we're beginning to see right now, vaccines are going out, schools are reopening, businesses are reopening, the positivity rate, hospitalizations are going down. It seems that California is turning the corner. And so what Newsom is hoping is that by the time this thing is actually voted on, if it makes the ballot in October or November, the, the pandemic is going to be, you know, mostly in the rearview mirror. And people are going to be feeling a lot better about the state, uh, the, about the economy, and about the governor. So what has Governor Newsom's response to this been so far? How has he handled this, this recall campaign? Well, you know, he's been asked many times about the recall uh, at press conferences, and he has always said what, you know, a lot of politicians would say, which is, I'm too busy doing my job. 
Let me uh, thank you, Madam Lieutenant Governor, for your kind introduction and, and good evening uh, to those of you joining us virtually tonight. Speaker Rendon. Uh, he held his State of the State address this week from Dodger Stadium, and he didn't use the word recall, but it was clear in parts of the speech that he was referring to people who want to recall him from office uh, and that uh, you know, calling it a power grab, for example, uh, and saying, look, I'm not going to be distracted by that. So to the California critics out there who are promoting partisan political power grabs with outdated prejudices and rejecting everything that makes California truly great, we say this. We will not be distracted from getting shots in arms and our economy booming again. This is a fight for California's future. So, you know, he's beginning to realize that this is probably going to happen. It's probably going to be on the ballot. And so he will have to wage a campaign to defeat it. But I think he probably feels that, look, the best way for me to defeat the recall is to do my job and to do it well, to help the state get past this pandemic, to start rebuilding the economy, to get schools reopened. And if I can do that, then people will not vote to recall me from office. Do we have any sense of whether he is really worried about it privately? I don't think there's any question that Newsom is focused on this, uh, at least part time. And he should be. You know, you can't take these things for granted. Uh, and so there was criticism of him a few weeks ago when he started uh, relaxing some of the restrictions on things like uh, sports in high schools and that sort of thing, because people felt like, well, you know, the situation hasn't changed. You keep saying it's based on data and science, but things haven't changed that much. Maybe it's really based on politics. And, you know, I'm sure every, you know, most things that a governor does are based in part on politics. That's just the way it is. Um, so I'm sure that he's very, very mindful of how people are being affected by his policies and on the restrictions. And he's very eager to see the state reopen. You've covered California politics uh, for a long time. This st recall story is a, it's a big story. It feels like a national story, too. So I just want to take a moment to kind of reflect on, on what's happening and, and what you make of just this, the relative success of this effort and what it says about California and the Bay Area and state politics in this moment. I think what I learned is that you can only push people so far. And I think whenever you get people motivated, uh, even if they're generally supportive of, you know, your policies or your party, you know, if you push them far enough, they're going to push back. It's not just partisan politics. It's people who feel frustrated. They wonder if Gavin Newsom is up to the job and they feel like maybe he's a little too full of himself and they want to knock him down a peg or two. Scott, thanks so much. You're welcome. The deadline for the recall campaign to submit signatures is Wednesday, March 17th. From there, it's a weeks-long process of verifying whether those signatures are valid and if there will be enough for a special election this fall. Scott Schaefer is senior editor of KQED's Politics and Government Desk and the co-host of the Political Breakdown podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. We've got new shows that drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever else you listen. 
This episode was produced by Asal Asanipur and Erica Cruz Guevara. We also get help every week from Isabeth Mendoza. KQED's podcast leadership team includes Jessica Placek, Erica Aguilar, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Tobin Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Alan Montecilio. Thanks for listening to The Bay, and have a good weekend. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 